Podcast. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On this episode of Missing the Point, we'll check in on the NBA as the matchups of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and Atlanta Hawks in the East and LA Clippers and Phoenix Suns in the West are well underway. We'll talk about how the Philadelphia 76ers screwed up the process in just about every way imaginable from the draft of the head coach and Mike takes a victory lap on Doc Rivers. We'll also discuss new Boston Celtics head coach Ime Hidoka's introductory press conference and discuss what impressions he left on us and the team. And lastly, we'll check in on the NFL as we give you some way-too-early season projections for both the New England Patriots and the Chicago Bears. This is Missing the Point, Episode 70. But it's all relative. Hello, and welcome into Missing the Point. I am your host, DK Sizzle, Dave Clark. Uh, rare occasion that I be hosting because I am not as well equipped to do the job as um, some of the other folks here at Missing the Point. But due to the ever-increasing issues with scheduling that are happening um, now that the pandy is over, or we're heading towards post-pandy. I don't know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not declaring it over. But we're heading to the words post-pandy life so people have stuff to do, except for me. So here I am with graciously mike marcangelo wanted me to host today and it's just the two of us also craig is here producing making magic behind the scenes we actually funny enough did a a show recently for the first time where craig was like okay i'm gonna let you guys do the show and just press record and then like send me the the files and it was a good example of why it's good to have craig here because it's like (laughs) (laughs) we fucked up the video like we had like three different technical difficulties go on it was a whole thing. And I, I had no idea what time it was by the time we were at like an hour and 15. I was like, how long has this show been? I don't know. To be fair, it still sounded pretty good after I was done with it, though. Yeah. 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 After uh, yeah, after we got it home, you know, you cleaned it up and that was nice. But I'm sure it was more work than usual. Not watching it. Though. About the same. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, Craig. So you we- don't need me after all. No, we need you. That's what I was trying to say. I just did a whole like <laughs> like long thing about how nice it is that you're here behind the curtain. But anyway, I'm here with Mike. I'm here with Craig. And we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. But we're going to start with the National Basketball Association, which we've been talking about a lot lately, obviously, because it's been a pretty exciting playoffs. Like a lot of stuff has happened. There's been a lot of stuff to talk about. But there is two conference finals going on right now. And they both look one looks a little bit more decided than the other. So like, let's talk about that first. The Phoenix Suns are up. right now on the Los Angeles Clippers. And Mike, you were right. You were right. It's like, I know, like, I I mean, Doc, 
Sixers. Yeah, like trust me, and we'll get to that. Like I cannot wait to just to just have my way with that. But I mean, you can't forecast an injury like you like, like to, to Kawhi Leonard. And That's true. When, like when you have a guy who's uh, who in the regular season was averaging twenty five points, six rebounds, and five assists. And in the postseason, he was thirty seven and four. How do you replace that? How do you make up for that? Right? And I think you know if they can bring this to six games, that's a very valiant effort from a team that I think we learned a lot about that was down 2-0 twice this postseason and just never gave up, which was something that they had a hard time doing under previous regimes. I don't know what you can do. I, I think one of the like one of the quotes that I read from one of the one of the four letter networks was with an injured Kawhi Leonard again watching from a suite. The Clippers outscored the Suns 30-19 to 19 in the third after trailing by 16 in the first half. And they still lost. Uh, Paul George, you know? I mean, I mean, it like, as much as, yeah, I think it might be a different series if Kawhi Leonard didn't get hurt, of course, because like you said, I mean, his numbers are, speak for themselves and like he's Kawhi Leonard. But Paul George is not a winner to me, you know? I mean, he's missing these big free throws at the end of games. And the thing is, he's having good games. He's having good, solid games going into these situations. And then he's he's choking at the end, you know? And he's kind of letting his team down in that sense. And like this, they, they are so much better than the Suns on paper, you know? Uh, like with Kawhi, I, I should say, with Kawhi. Like you would never think at the start of this series, this is how this was going to go. But on paper also, you think Paul George should be able to get you through this. Like everything you know about Paul George, he's a real. He's supposed to be a real all-star. You know, he made the third team All-NBA ahead of Jason Tatum. Would you rather have Jason Tatum right now trying to win you this series or Paul George? I would take Tatum all day. Tatum, uh, yeah, Tatum eight days a week. I, I, I think – Paul George is what we've learned over his the course of his career, and you maybe you disagree. He's just softer than baby shit. Like he's so <laughs> terrible. He not only I, I think he's one of those he's one of those uh, that he puts up all the right stats in the regular season, and he might even surprise you with, with a couple with a couple of games in the postseason. But in the bubble, he sucked. He was awful. He was one of the reasons why they lost. And I think what uh, one of the things that have, that have been able to help the, the Clippers come back from you know down 2-0 is that they have a winner on the team. They had Kawhi, who's recently won a championship, so he knows what it takes. Now when that guy is not even sitting courtside, it's hard to manifest it. Mm-hmm. And if Paul George, and again, he's a thousand times the athlete that I am. Remember that. If, if he's your best player in a game-time decision, you're so screwed. Like, look, Remember those Indiana teams? Yeah. He couldn't do it. He could not do it. He still can. What about that one time? Wasn't he in OKC with uh, with Mello? With Westbrook. With yeah. Westbrook. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Also couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, you know my feelings about Russell Westbrook. I don't know his fault that was more, but I agree. But it's it's interesting you bring up though because you do bring up the the previous comeback in the last series, and I do want to talk about that because we have a Chris Paul who has blown a three one lead before. Yeah. We have Phoenix Suns team that are kind of maybe, you know, Devin, I mean, not Chris Paul, obviously, and it's great to have a veteran leader, especially one I think is who has the, the record that Chris Paul has as a leader. But there's a lot of young players in that team. Devin Booker's young and the Clippers did just come back. And I think I, you know, I saw a, a, a presser with Ty Lue and he, I think he's a pretty good coach. You know, I know yeah. everybody was, everybody was lining up to suck his dick after the last comeback. I get that. But like, you know, I do think he's a good coach. If he gets them to three, two, how much does the balance shift in your head? Because then that narrative that he's obviously calling on last series, Chris Paul's blown a lead like this before, like also Chris Paul at any point could just miss two or three games. You know what I mean? And it's just, so if they, you know, if they do get it back to three, two, like, do you think that's 
bodes badly for the Phoenix Suns? Oh, I think it's a it, like it's an interesting point in the terms of like it it'll, it will be a good talking point, but the chamber is empty. You still don't have Kawhi, but you need the manpower to overcome that lead. And like, are we trying to kid ourselves here? Do we think that they come back 2-0 without Kawhi? Because I don't. No, you don't? I, think that's, I don't. I think that's a big hill to climb at this point. I honestly, I think they're going to go out. I think they're going to go out in five at this. Like that's that's how I see it going down. Me too. But if you push it to six, that shows the strength of the coach and the strength of the character on that team. But with losing probably a top four, five player in the world, and you're still able to push push a series to six. But yeah, I think it's over. But I also just to kind of talk about this, I, I think we've reached the point of Chris Paul's career where he's at the KG 2008 Celtics moment, right? Like you can only be a choker for so long. You can only want that that championship and, and to taste a finals appearance for so long before it consumes you. And I think if you look back at you know maybe three or four seasons ago, Chris Paul doesn't make the the the, the free throws at the end of Game Four like he did th- this season. So I think right. it's in him. I, I I think I think now it's to the point where all right, I've missed it for so long. This is not going to be how what like my final story written about me. I'm going to get there, and I'm going to be the reason that we do. Yeah, it's a lovely story. I mean, if Chris Paul does make his first finals and then goes on to win his first finals, I think that would be awesome. And the reason, but the reason I'm saying you were right before is it's like you did say that Doc Rivers was <laughs> not a very good coach. Correct. Well, he's an overrated coach. Sure, sure, sure. And like playoffs, all that stuff, we've heard it. But Ty Lue came in and he was basically credited as the reason why they came back in that last series. I know the answer to this question already, but if that's Doc, do you think that's do you think that's why they were able to come back? Or do you think it was like Kawhi Leonard? Because if that's Doc, you think, I think, <laughs> they, they probably lose that series, right? Yeah, so I, I think like if we're assuming that they're down 0-2, I think the Clippers lose that series 4-1 if Doc's the head coach. But if you're asking me, like, what if everything is the same and they do come back? Then I think it's, I, I think it is Kawhi. And I still think, I, I think Tyrone, I think, Ty, uh, you know, uh, Lou is a great coach. I think, maybe not great, great's an overstatement. I think he's a really good coach. I think it always helps to have an all world talent. And you see that when you, when you, <laughs> well, you do, you, you see it and not for nothing, but the Celtics fans understand, like, it also looked like that Kawhi Leonard listened to Lou. Right, that he that yeah. didn't lose the room, so it, it always helps to have a bought in all world talent when you're down in those situations. And right now, they have a nice name in Paul George, who might buy in, but I just don't think intrinsically he has it in him to do the the, the type of things that Kawhi Leonard did. Well, let's talk about the East for a second, you know, so we can start moving in that direction to the Doc Rivers 76ers conversation. That series is going a little surprisingly, honestly. When I saw Atlanta take a uh, game away from Milwaukee in Milwaukee, they have a pretty good fan base over there. Like, I think that's a tough place to go. There was a lot of like, in the last series against the Nets, there was a lot of like cutting to that, like whatever they call like the deer park or the mulch elk or whatever the fuck they call it, (laughs) where there was like a shitload of people standing outside watching on a big screen, which I just would like never do in a million years. It's like, I'm either going live to the event or like to like see a live event, or I'm going to watch it from the comfort of my home with my like massive TV that we all have now because TVs cost like $8 to make in China. And like with like whatever I want to drink and I don't have to like stand next to strangers. I'm not even talking about COVID. I just fucking hate that. Like I don't even get a chair. Um, I don't get it. But yes, great. You're showing support. They smashed them that like in a comeback win then in, in Atlanta immediately took the game back. And like I've talked a lot of shit about the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis specifically because I thought as much as, you know, we've, I've talked about this ad nauseum as much as they beat the Nets. 
I thought KD was absolutely styling on him for seven games, even when he wasn't guarding him. It was just yep. diminished Giannis to me. I think this is Giannis's best chance to win a finals with who's left, who's left in the, the landscape of the playoff picture. And they actually look pretty serious. Like they look like they seriously want to win this series. Now, Trey Young is out, I think confirmed out for game four with a bone bruise because he stepped on the referee's foot, which was a very strange moment, but like it happened. Um, and there's nothing you can really do about it, right? Because as a referee, where do you see this series going? I feel like the momentum has switched. And do you think whoever comes out of this series is going to be the team to deal with? I, I mean, if uh, Trey Young can't play, then I think that it's over. I, I, I think because I think this is a must-win game. I I didn't know like I, as we're recording this, I, I didn't see that the final lineups have been set, but everything that I had seen had said that uh, wasn't, looking good. wasn't looking good. But I, even Trey Young didn't confirm it either. He said, "I'm going to play." It, oh, like really? It, yeah, he, it, it's a bone bruise. It's a weird injury. I get it. But I, I think, it, you know, Hawk fans, when they the, when they saw him react the way that they did when he landed on the referee's foot, they probably thought, worst case scenario, this guy's, you know, toast. But I think that this is the type of situation where – because just the type of player he is, right? If he can walk, he's going to play. Now mm-hmm. – the the problem that I would see is that, you know, in the course of the, the regular season in the playoffs, he's averaged 30 points, nine assists. But the most important thing is 38 minutes a game. Right. I don't know if he's going to play 38 minutes tonight. So how do you replace those minutes? And do you have enough on the bench to withstand the run that the Milwaukee Bucks will inevitably go on when Trae Young is off the floor? I don't think the Hawks do. No. I mean, I think they're a plucky young team. And I think yeah. that behind – the level that Trey Young was playing at, they were competing <clears throat> and they made it this far for that reason. And I think that that's pretty obvious. And like you remember game one, uh, Trey Young went absolutely insane. You know, like Bobby was freaking out in the group chat, like he's shimmying, he's shimmying before he shoots. This is incredible. And I'm like, it is, it was a really impressive game. Like yeah. For me, I know I'm like, I'm an old fuddy duddy. Like for me, it's like, I hated the Golden State Warriors so much because I just thought they were like a cheat code when they were really good. And like Steph and Clay, Splash Brothers, every shot went down. It felt like they had like unlocked or broken basketball in some way to me. And I was like, oh, can I just like, I just want to watch like grimy 90s, 73-78 final score. Like yep. drive it down low. Everybody fight for the ball, yell at each other, like post up driving dish, all that kind of stuff. That's my kind of basketball. I just like it better. It's circus basketball, that, that that kind of shit. But it's undeniably crazy when you get a Steph Curry, who's a once in a lifetime, you think type player. And then you look at Trey Young come up and you're like, damn, like, I don't know if he's going to be as good as Steph, but, and I'm not saying that, like nobody freak out, but like the level of shooting in the NBA has gone up so much. Like people can score from anywhere and like, he can do that, you know? And he's actually pretty good. He's got pretty good handles and, and everything else too. And he's a massive shit talker, which I like. It's disappointing if we lose him from the series. I hope he stays in there so he can compete, you know, because I think that his competitive nature is a lot of what's driving them. Yeah, I mean, I think so. The, to, the, to your first point, like if this version of Trey Young was on that version of the Warriors, is I mean, is there any difference? I think comparatively speaking for this postseason run, that he's on that level. Now, I'm not saying that he is a Steph Curry, but it looks like he could mimic what happened then now. Yeah, because he can just go insane, right? Like Steph used to be able to do. And it's like, holy shit, we can't do anything. You remember the the Celtics playing the the, the Warriors on that run when the Warriors had won like their first 18 games or some shit. And we like battled them and we took them to, to overtime and they like, they won in overtime and then they lost the, the next exact game. It's like, that's like 
Trey Young's going to become the guy you want to beat if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, like Steph did in the West. And it's like, oh shit, like we need to like, I've just been like begging them to build for Giannis and Embiid for the last few years. And now like Trey Young comes out of here. When I say them, I obviously mean the Celtics. I've been begging the Celtics to build for like these type of big man, like lengthy big man, post up, like post play, playmaking type guy. And then Trey Young is like, that's Steph Curry of the East. And I'm like, what an, whatever. I don't even care. I quit. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to do now. You know what I mean? I do kind of think we would match up all right against that team just because of the length in our shooters. But like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I would love to see, and I think Bobby made this point before. I would love to see a Trey Young, Devin Booker, Chris Paul finals. And I think yes. that's why I'm rooting for the Hawks. And I, but yeah. I also, I'm on record for hating the Bucks. I hate the way they play basketball. Yeah, I, I also think like that game one when Trey Young posted 48 points. I think the other monumental portion of that, that I don't know, I'm sure that you do know because you are well, well more versed in the NBA than I am. But that was the first Eastern Conference win for Atlanta since they moved to Atlanta in 1960. I, I think that might be true. I don't know, but I just know that I don't remember them ever being good. 53 years in, in between the conference finals victories. That's my, that's wild. So, I, I, but I think, you know, when you have a situation where a heart, you know, where a Kyrie goes down, a Harden is hurt, LeBron, Anthony Davis, they're out. You know, the NBA needs to create a new star, have a new focal point, and it, it, it felt like that this round was going to be the Trey Young, uh, the Trey Young show, right? He, this was his real coming out party on a prominent stage, and now, it, and like, it, it would just suck to, to to see that he's either limited or he can't play. Yeah. And also I was bummed when Kyrie and Durant and Harden went out because I was like, I like when the good players are still playing when my team's not in, you know, but Trey Young, there you go. Like I, he, he filled that, that void. So I do hope he comes back and has a good series. I want that to be a good series. I don't want the, that to end quickly because it looks like the other one's going to end in five. So we'll see. Tonight, I guess. Can I ask a question, Sam, as we were talking about the Hawks and, and the Bucks? Yeah. Like with all the prominent in- in- injuries, right? How much, let's say that the Bucks go on to Right. Would people discount this victory for, for Giannis because there's no Kyrie, there's no LeBron, there's, you know, there's an injured trade on and there's no Kawhi? I mean, it's tough, right? Because it's like I always bang that drum of like you can only play what's put in front of you. Like yeah. you can't give people shit for like, you know, winning series that they like should win. But at the same time, like there was a lot of red flags for me from Giannis when there was adversity put up against him. And he did get kind of lucky with the injuries that happened with Brooklyn. In saying that, I do think he wants to win. I think he's a competitor. And I think he would have given, I think he would have had similar games regardless of the competition. And I think that if the Bucks did go down, it wouldn't have been his fault. It would have been the coach's fault because that coach is not very good, as we saw in the Nets series. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's hard because, you know, Everybody goes like, oh, you got to put it on the best player. Like it's that Michael Jordan, man, Kobe Bryant mentality where it's like, he's got to be the one who gets it done. And like Ray and I argue about this all the time where he's like, no, nah, you got to put, you put that same scrutiny on Brown and Tatum. And it's like, I always argue. It's like, that's because it's my team. You know, I can look at another team and be like, I don't know, man. I mean, he's pretty good <laughs> and he's doing his best. So like, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> you know? yep. With Jalen and Jason, I'm like, you need to fucking be better. So you know, I, it's a tough question to answer. And I, and, but I bet Giannis wants to play the best, you know, I don't think that he's looking for people to get injured and he, or he's looking for escape, he's not scapegoats, like excuses. Like he's not looking for excuses to, or, or whatever. So, and I don't think that about a lot of players in the NBA right now. And I do genuinely think he is a competitor. I don't love how they built that team around him. I don't love the coach and you know, there are East rivals. So like, fuck them and green Bay. Terrible coach, all right over there. So 
yeah, bad, bad coach, bad coach, which I hope, you know, he, I think he's, isn't he from the Popovich family? So, so does that mean you want him to win or? You no, I want it, but like, I'm like, it's like <laughs> no, well, we'll talk about our new coach later, but it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't bode well. So moving on finally, now we were supposed to get to this last show, but uh, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and why we shouldn't say that the accumulation of draft picks in or tanking in order to accumulate draft picks. So you get franchise players year on year is not necessarily a bad idea on paper, like communism on paper. It seems like a really, really good idea because then no (laughs) one has less. Right. But in practice, it can get fucked up really easily as we know. (laughs) So they accumulate all these draft picks and Basically, the first thing they do is they go out and they get Joel Embiid in 2014, the 2014 draft. They are going to build the entire franchise around Joel Embiid, right? Not a bad draft pick. If you look back no. at the 2014 draft, they picked Joel Embiid third, right? Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker get picked before him. Totally fine. They did really well there. I think they picked the best guy out of the top three. After him, Aaron Gordon, Dante Exum, Marcus Smart, Julius Randle, Nick Stauskas, Noah Vonley, and Alfred Payton. They picked the right guy, you know, picking Joel Embiid, I think, out of that top 10, that's correct. Unless you want to, I don't know, we're we're not going to get into like making moves or packaging deals or whatever. Like you go get the right guy. You did good, right? This is where it gets bad. (laughs) I want to hear your thoughts. It's the next year, right? It's the 25th of June, 2015. They're in Brooklyn, New York. And with the third pick, in the 2015 NBA draft, <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers select Jaleel Okafor out of Duke. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell went before him. They're both better than him, obviously, but they didn't get a chance to pick him. That's okay. They, they couldn't have gotten either of those guys. No problem. Let me read you off a few of the guys <laughs> that came after that. Chris Tass Porzingis went fourth. Pretty good. Especially in his first few years, right? Him yep. and Embiid like, would have been great in those first few years together, right? There isn't like a ton after that, but Devin Booker gets drafted oh, 13th that hurts. that hurts 13th so it makes me think you know like i don't really remember that draft but it makes me think nobody really knew that devin booker was gonna be that good but damn now you start where, to build where did the celtics draft in 2015 because did they, they miss on booker too we missed yeah we missed on booker we drafted Terry <laughs> oh, oh three picks later which yeah, is very but like that's not what this is about mike you're right sorry. Talking about the yeah. that happens again by the way that happens again <laughs> I didn't even notice that one, but that happens when we're Well, it's a collection of draft picks. This fits your story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So collection of draft picks. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build you a team that could have been what the process could have been. So right now we we have a potential best case scenario of we have Joel Embiid and Devin Booker on the same team right now in 2021. If they've drafted like more correctly, we, we can agree on that. So we go into the 2016, right? They have the first pick, the first pick. This in the 2016 so draft, <laughs> and they go on to select Ben Simmons. Now, unbelievable ball handling, great playmaker, great vision, can't shoot, couldn't, couldn't shoot his way out of a fucking paper bag, and is getting his draft stock just plummeted after his recent playoff performance. They could have had third. They could have had Jalen Brown. And everybody shit on the Jalen Brown pick. I just yeah. like to say, even Celtics fans are shitting on the Jalen Brown pick. Yeah. Obviously, now, if someone were to come up to you and ask you, would you rather Ben Simmons or Jalen Brown? You would say 
Jalen Brown. Yeah, 100%. So now we're building this team, and potentially this team could be Joel Embiid, Devin Booker, and Jalen Brown. So Just so far. Just so far, right? It gets worse. It gets, it gets so much worse. <laughs> so you're looking at this team already, right? You're looking at this, these top three teams. One, if they pick Jalen Brown, we end up with Simmons or someone else in that top five. None of them are, are as good as Jalen Brown. It hurts the Celtics, one of their biggest rivals. In the if they get Devin Booker, sure, it hurts like a West team, whatever. But they would have had their big three in consecutive drafts is what you're saying. One, two, three. Yeah. And Devin yeah. Booker, what have they had this whole time? Point guard problems. They've had put because they, they put all that money on Bledsoe. And my grandmother could have told you that Bledsoe was just a really good bench guy. That was so obvious, especially when him. And then do you remember him and Terry Rozier going at each other in that one playoffs, like in the battle of like the who's the more average point guard? And it's like Rozier no, I mean, might be better though. Rozier might be better than Bledsoe. Yeah, he it, it, it might happen. I agree. And he, I actually think it, it would kind of be nice if we still had him. And I actually never really, I never disliked him. It was just that one game seven where he, he shot like over <laughs> for two for 84. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have this team now, right? It's a great big three. It's wouldn't even be a big three, Mike. It would be a big six if we keep going. Right. So get ready. We go on to the 2007 NBA, 2017 NBA draft with the first pick again, back to back first round, first pick. And they, they have they already have these three guys right in our fantasy with the first pick they pick markel fultz and they immediately change his jump shot yeah markel fultz in and they're like please change your jump shot they could have still whiffed on this draft even if we allow them a whiff on this draft but guess how bad they fucked up lonzo ball goes second still a better pick than markel fultz obviously like even if they had had d book at two lonzo at one Embiid at the four or the five or whatever, and Jalen Brown at the three, it's still, they's got two champions. Because Fultz's skill set doesn't match up with what that team was currently constituted as. I don't even know what Fultz's skill set was, to be honest with you. It was a jump shot, but then they changed it. So It's real, real, real weird. Real, real weird, the whole thing. Lonzo Ball goes second. Jason Tatum goes third. (laughs) Jason Tatum goes third. (laughs) And they had the first pick. They had the first okay, so we now, traded them that first pick, right? Because yeah, we yeah, yeah, we swapped out and it felt good at the time. I remember being like, I don't want Lonzo Ball because his dad it was a moron. Yeah, but he was also like, he wants to be a Laker, he's gonna be a Laker. I would take Lonzo now because his dad A, his dad's gotten quieter, and B, the Lakers already didn't work out for him. Over Jason Tatum? No, 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 no. Oh god, no, okay. no. I'm just saying <laughs> like he's a free agent next year. I keep talking about how it'd be cool if we had him. God no, not yeah. over Jason Tatum. It's not even close. But so best case scenario now for this team, you have Joel Embiid, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, and Jason Tatum all on the same team. This is the process in its best form right now. And it, I, I don't know when, by the time they get Tatum, I don't know who's beating them in the finals. Nobody. Maybe, Nobody. Maybe LeBron and AD that one year. I don't know, but that's a crazy team already, right? All right. Now, and there's all these other caveats, right? Who were the coaches? Would Devin Booker have emerged the same way if he was surrounded by all this like similar talent? Do you need some other veteran guys in there? Can you build a team like this? Sure, whatever. But we're just we're doing a fantasy draft right now, so it is what it is. Right. They could have Jason Tatum. There was a few other guys they'd have had. Zach Collins was in that draft. Donovan Mitchell was in that draft. Bam Adebayo was in that draft. Even if they whiffed on Tatum, Jared Allen was in that draft. Can you imagine like you have Embiid and then they have Bam coming off the bench? <laughs> yeah. Or they could play him with the four and the five. It wouldn't even right. matter. There you go. There's your starting five. The longest team in history. Yeah, there's your starting five. 
Yeah. So that 2008, this is, that was the worst one. I, it doesn't really get much worse than that because after that, they start drafting a little bit lower. They still have high draft picks. Like they still have, but it's like hard for them to tank at this point. Yeah. So they still have, you know, yeah, they still have the 10th. So they take Mikhail Bridges, which is terrible. Shea Gil, Chris Alexander was right there, right there. 11th, 11th. And they could have had him. That would have been such an ideal. It just makes you wonder not only like what are they looking for before they draft it, but when they draft the player, where do they think that that player is going to fit in? So this is exactly what I'm talking about. And this is what it, the conclusion it led me to the process was an idea with no plan or execution. It was the fucking blind leading the blind the entire time you brought, you bring up an, an excellent point. It felt like they were drafting. They were doing like, you know, the way you guys always talk about like the Bill Belichick draft system and in football, it works. It's like, yes, we have a really good strong safety, but the best available player is a strong safety. We're like, we'll figure it out. They were kind of trying to do that a little bit, I think. Because Markel Fultz, if you remember at the time, was on paper a really high prospect. Like it was like everyone was going, they're gonna, he's going to go number one. They kept picking the number one guy that sure. ESPN was telling them was the number one guy. And then you whiff on Jason Tatum, you know? Yeah, but there's like a reason that Stephen A doesn't draft that he just comments on them. Exactly. Right? Like, you exactly. shouldn't listen to him. Like, exactly. sure, but okay. So if you're going to draft Markel Fultz, let's just call it, let's, let's just call it what it is. If you're going to take him, you take him because of what he does. You don't then instantly change what he does and and and, and eliminate all, all of his value because he was he didn't stand a chance in his first year. They fucked with his head too. Like he didn't have the mindset to go number one overall. And you should be able to suss that out. Like they yeah. talk to him, you know what I mean? Like I really strongly feel you should be able to sit across from somebody and be like, ooh, I don't know. Something's not quite right there. Watch draft day. For better or for worse, though, like, you know, you, I don't love him. Oh, I didn't love his dad, but like Lonzo could have gone number one. He was ready for that light. Tatum, he could have gone number one too. Like they they were both just built for it, right? They, yeah. they, they had been they, they primed for this their entire lives, but. I, I think it's criminally negligent what they did to Markel Fultz and to their entire roster, right? Because of what they could have had. Right. The big one in that, the big problem with that draft, and you do have to give Danny Ainge credit for this. There was multiple landmines in that draft because I don't know if you remember that guy from Kansas, Josh Jackson. That's who every Celtics fan <laughs> you talked to wanted, by the way. Yep, I remember that. Every Celtics fan you talked to wanted him. And it was just like, I could, he had so many red flags so I'm surprised that he had so many red flags. I'm surprised the Sixers didn't draft him, to be quite honest with you, because of like how, how they're fucking. How they're <laughs> so it's not as bad. We said they could have had Shea Gilchrist Alexander, which is a tough name for me to say because there's a lot of syllables in it, but he's a very good player. They could have had Michael Porter Jr. that year. Grayson Allen might have been good on that team. You know, Mikhail Bridges, like, no, it's just not Michael. But yeah, I said, I said Troy Brown Jr. There were some other good guys. Just if you just think about like just the draft picks that you just mentioned. Yeah. And then you talk about the, the players that actually were there, like the JJ Reddicks, like the Al Horfords later, right? Those two would have been perfect complementary players for the team that you, that, that they could have built. And they right. just, for whatever reason, they just elected not to. And not only that, but they drafted a generational talent like Embiid. Yeah. And never motivated him to be the best that he absolutely could be. But it, th- those are another series of mistakes, right? Like they didn't put yep. the personnel in to, to motivate and, and get the best out of a generational talent. Like you're just saying, it's like, that's another organizational failure. You know, like that's from, that comes from the top. And like now 
I'm going to, we're going to get into Doc Rivers because I've been, since we started this podcast, it was one of the earliest things you said, and it was designed specifically to fuck with Rayshon and in his brain. Yep. And it was funny. And I never gave it much, if I'm being honest with you now, I never gave it much thought because I was like, well, my immediate reaction when somebody says something bad about Doc Rivers is I'm like, Doc Rivers and Butu, like we fucking won a championship because of Doc Rivers. I remember his huddles. I remember his like raspy voice, like yelling at Kevin Garnett and like hard coaching with like these vets, right? But then he he did exactly what you said he was going to do this season. <laughs> you were like, he's going to have a really good regular season. And I, you know, this is on tape. You guys can go back and listen show to notes. the NBA, NBA preview show, show. The link to it will be in the show notes. And Mike, I think basically word for word was like, I think they're going to be number one in the East. They're going to have the best regular season of any team in the East, maybe in the NBA. I think they're going to look really good. I think he's going to get more out of Embiid and Embiid's going to be like in good shape. And then you were like, and then they're going to lose in the first round. (laughs) And I was like, no way, no way. And like, even Ray the other day, I forget if he said it to you and you weren't on the show or he said it to you on the show, but he was like, yeah, you're right. You were right. Like, I forget what the format was where he, where he said it to you, but he was like, yeah, Mike was right. So Yeah, you were right, Mike, about Doc. It's ridiculous. I'm done. And <laughs> Mike knows exactly what he said because he's had it blown up and framed and it's yes. on the wall. Of his yeah, it's, it's, it's off camera, but I'm here to tell you, I'm just here to tell you that I told you so. And you know, I, this, I really want you to listen to this and just make sure that you know, it does not diminish what he did while he was here, right? Because he did win a championship. He sure did. And he took three Hall of Fame players that were hungry for that championship to, to also win it. But also remember that when he left the Celtics, he left because he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. He wanted to ha- he wanted to not only be the coach, but also pick the players that he would coach. We did trade him, in fairness. We did trade him. He asked to be traded. That was what he wanted. He didn't want to be part of a rebuild. Since leaving the Boston Celtics, regular season, Doc Rivers is 395 wins, 231 regular season losses. He's a great regular season coach. Playoff record is 34 and 37 since leaving the Celtics. And he's never reached the Eastern Conference Finals, which the Celtics have three times. Imagine that with the players with uh, of the caliber of Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Embiid, Simmons can't shoot. Just think about that. Think about the fact that he's never been able to reach the conference finals. But also, let's dive into this because we all, we talked earlier in the show about how the Clippers overcame adversity from, from being down two games to nothing and won those series. In 2020, in the Western Conference semifinals, Doc Rivers and the Los Angeles Clippers were up 3-1 against the Denver Nuggets. Then, the Clippers blew a 15-point lead to lose game five. Then, the Clippers blew a 19-point second half lead to lose game six. Then the Clippers <laughs> totally collapsed in the fourth quarter to lose game seven. But wait, everybody, there's just a little more. In 2015 against the Houston Rockets, against the Houston Rockets, up three games to one. They lost a game six where Harden didn't even play because Kevin McHale benched him. Not to mention that in 2003, they were up three, three games to one against Detroit. Yes, Doc Rivers is a fantastic regular season coach. He can actually get more out of some players than, most, than, than other coaches can. But what he can't do is win in the playoffs unless he has three Hall of Fame players that have never won before and that are itching for that ring and for that trophy. 
So the I think that the 76ers collapse is good, but the Los Angeles Clippers resurgence when they were down 0-2 validates me even more. I rest my case on Doc Rivers. It's fucked with my head, dude. It's like making me think that like the reason that shitty Atlanta team was able to take us to seven games in 2008 was because Doc was like not coaching the playoffs properly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's like my whole world is collapsing. It's uh, yeah, I agree. It doesn't diminish like what he did with us. Like, no. it, you know, it can't, he's got a championship. He's a championship winning coach. And like, yeah, he took three veterans that like all needed a shit. You know what I mean? Like they needed it and he went and he won it and the city needed it too. And it was great. It was a great year. And I can't wait to do the rewrap. But to your point, he took a uh, team that had what 66 regular season wins and, and and then needed seven games to beat the Atlanta Hawks. That's the funny thing is actually we were dope in the regular season in 08, like 66 and 16. Yeah. Well, like I kept, I was walking around. I remember walking around senior in high school being like 82 and 0. 82 and 0. <laughs> like I was just saying it to anyone who listened. I was like 82 and 0, 82 and 0. And then they would go, they would lose a game and I'd be like 81 and 1. <laughs> for the whole season and they weren't over the regular season we also did win a championship that year which is basically the best you can do in the playoffs but i, I see your point we, we did but like at, just to, to rayshon's point and my just my last thing on this, this whole theory of doc rivers chokes in the playoffs and, and like isn't that great of a playoff coach is no longer a hypothesis it's a conclusion based on what we've seen in two straight years fine throw away the 2015 you know conference semifinals against houston Again, when James Harden was benched in game six and they still lost, let's just throw that away. In back-to-back years, when the field was literally opened up for you to do whatever you want to do, like it could have been a Western Conference final against LeBron. There's no shame in losing to LeBron James and AD. Absolutely none. But you can't go out the way that you did this year and still want to be called a great coach. Doc Rivers is a great regular season coach that that caught fire with three Hall of Fame talents, and since those three talents that he's not, that that, uh, that he has not had anymore, he's never been able to replicate it. He cannot advance to the conference finals of the conference that he is in without three Hall of Famers. I'm sorry. I hope that I, like if that upsets you. And no, it's, I mean, facts. look. I, at the end of the day, like Scoreboard. I don't think his, I don't think his career is. I don't think it's over. I I think as of right now. Anyone who was going to argue that point wouldn't have much to, to stand on. It's unfortunate. <laughs> scathing, scathing remarks about Doc Rivers there. You know, it reminds me of something. Though. There was a lot of uh, soccer on today. I was spent basically my whole day watching soccer. And we're not going to talk about it, Mike, because I know like you hate it. It, it would be a monologue, but because I can't. And that right there was like a, that rivaled Hamlet's soliloquy in, in <laughs> morbid morbid prescience. I've been waiting for it. I've Because uh, I, 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 I wanted to tell you, when I saw him just dominate the East this year. I was like, well, I did call that, but Embiid is playing pretty well. Like, yeah. And also he was in shape, which was a big difference. It would be hard to stop this team. But then like, then, then Ben couldn't shoot and Doc Rivers was still the coach. So it's fine. (laughs) Um, So there's been a lot of soccer on today. And it it reminds me a little bit, the way you have Doc like set up a few years ago, the Netherlands coach, it was going to penalty kicks and the Netherlands coach subbed his keeper which no one had ever really done before. It was like, holy shit, what are you doing? It's like, well, this guy's a better goalkeeper and this guy's a better penalty stopper. And it worked. They won the shootout. So I wonder, could you take some money and be like, all right, Doc, you're going to coach the regular season. Here you are. And on your team as your assistant coach is going to be, who's a really good playoff coach, Ty Lue. Ty Lue's going to be your assistant. And so be like, Ty, you're taking over as head coach. 
for the playoffs because <laughs> Doc <laughs> can't do it. Now, I know there'd be a lot of issues with like the team being like, fuck. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to either of them probably is what happened. I mean, Steve Kerr did that though, right? Didn't Luke Walton coach the majority of those uh, regular season games and then Steve Kerr came in for the playoffs because his back was injured? Yeah, but he was like hurt. So maybe they may have taken it. Yeah, but it happened. I mean, Doc Rivers has that, has that vocal cord issue and has a bad back. But what I also will say, uh, this isn't hedging a bet. I brought this up with Bobby on one of the shows where we talked about uh, the Celtics season. This was midway through it. So you, I think Doc Rivers would have gotten more out of Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. I think he would have coached them up quicker to be the players that they needed to be and would have ingrained something else in them. But I don't know that it, they would have got further than the Eastern Conference Finals. And history would argue that he probably wouldn't have been able to do it. It's, But it's funny that you say that because it's actually a perfect segue into our next topic, which is the new Celtics head coach, Ime Yudoka, is I believe how you pronounce it. And I think there was a, he was banging a lot of drums today. I'm not going to read out the exact quote because there's like too much of it. And I'm just going to be sitting here reading the fucking internet. You guys can go look it up. But he basically was like, I am going to coach Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown hard. I'm going to be hard on them. Marcus Smart also. He kept like mar- mentioning Marcus as like kind of an afterthought. But I was like, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> like it happens to me too. But he's like, but that's what they want. He's like, I coached them at US, like for USA Basketball with Pop, and I know them. They know me. They wanted me here. I wanted to be here. I know I wasn't a head coach before, but these guys need to develop. That's And, you know, his boss is the guy that was developing them for the past few years. And for him to say that, it's not in a direct affront, but it's ballsy. It's headstrong. It's him saying, hey, I'm here to coach these guys up. I'm going to make them better. And I'm going to make them realize their potential. And that immediately gets you excited because you're like, oh, they're going to get even better. Yes. And I think I agree with you on the Doc Rivers point because Doc Rivers coaches players hard. You know, he rides them hard. And I think that's what Ime Udoka is going to do. And I think that will bring out the best in those players because obviously they had lost Brad. What are your thoughts on this hire and like the stuff that was coming out today? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, my favorite quote was when I was when he said, sorry to mention this, Brad, but 27th in assists last year. We want to have more team basketball there. He's absolutely, and we talked about this. We beat this drum all year. We don't think it was malicious, right? But at some point in time throughout the course of any given game, the players decided that what Brad told them to do wasn't working. So they were going to take it upon themselves and just play ISO ball. It never worked. So I think that I, I think he's going to do a great job not allowing that to happen. I think he's the perfect mentality. He's a perfect mentality type of coach to have in here now. I think he's going to ride everybody hard. I think, uh, you know, the reports out that we were seeing over the last couple of weeks is that Brad would pick his players that he would go after. I think this guy's going to take absolutely no prisoners. I think he's going to treat Jason Tatum just like he's a Tristan Thompson or just like he's a Peyton Pritchard. And he's going to make everybody better. And if he can do that, you know, this team is a perennial conference final team. Right, what they were missing was what was that factor of buying in when it counted. If they buy in the final minutes of the fourth quarter, now this team has the potential to be a fifty-five win team. And if that happens, then yeah, I think then we're really in for it. Yeah, I mean, I hope you got me thinking they're running suicides already with some Coach Carter <laughs> shit right now. I'm gonna go watch that movie. Yeah, I mean, I just think I think the assist thing is a big deal, but let's talk about that for a second because. Them not listening to Brad is a little disconcerting, don't you think? Because you remember the 2017 Brad Stevens. Everyone's buying in. Everyone's doing what they're told. Three passes to three different open guys to get the best look. You know, we're the best defensive team in the East. Like, all this different stuff. Brad Stevens' brand of basketball, I like. I liked his brand of basketball. 
it was very upsetting that he clearly lost the locker room. I think I'm not sure exactly what went down. I don't think we'll ever probably know exactly what went down for him to lose the locker room, but I'm a little worried that these guys always seem to have somebody to blame. Kyrie Irving, sacrificial lamb. Like, yeah, okay, maybe not. Maybe he was being an asshole and maybe he is a weird guy. Fine. Then Brad Stevens. It was, no, we're not listening to Brad anymore. Why aren't you listening to Brad anymore? It works when you do what he's telling you to do. It's kind not of. working. It's not working when you're doing what you're doing, which it's not working at all. They were terrible yeah. in the regular season and they were almost as bad, if not worse, in the playoffs. I think, you know, that that's a very like it's a very interesting argument. But and I think we've talked about this a lot over the last year since we've had the since we've had the podcast, but we always talked about how many times can they possibly get to the Eastern Conference finals and lose before that that's what they think that their ceiling is, right? And all the examples that you just gave of playing Brad Stevens basketball all ended to losing to better teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it wouldn't surprise me if with the caliber of play that you have within Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, again, not being malicious, it's like, okay, let's let him get us there, but then we're going to take over. And that just couldn't manifest itself over the last year and a half. I also think that if there is even an inclination of the team not listening to you, that bubble experience must have been terrible. Because you're pulling people from everything that they know, isolating them for what, three or four months. And we, we heard all the reports that Marcus was throwing chairs in the locker room. Like it must not have been a great experience. So if there was a thought of, Hey, like, can this guy really get us there? And then you lead every game in the fourth quarter and lose in the Eastern conference finals. I think it was done then. I think his ticket was written at the end of that Miami series last year. Yeah. I mean, it was all season, right? From that point forward, every game you watched, it was Brad saying stuff and nobody's looking at him. And like, yeah, we were getting mad at him too. I remember like me and Bobby specifically were going absolutely off on how Brad is just like, okay, guys, let's just make sure we get back on every possession. But maybe, Brad, you know, I, Brad Stevens is an idiot. He can feel that, you know, that's, he's trying to stay consistent. He's trying to give these instructions right. and to, to play his brand of basketball, but he knows that he's lost them. So would he even have wanted to come back and coach again this year? You know, like it's just, it's going to be uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know, but I also think like he's smart enough to know that if, if he thinks he lost the team, the worst thing you can do is is dog him out to the media. Like you can't call players out to the reporters if you've already think that you've lost them. You do that when you know that they've bought in. That's why coaches like Popovich, Belichick, across all different sports can do it because they know that they have their buy in and that no and, and that there are no prisoners. But if Jalen's not listening to you, you can't go tell a reporter that you know. Jalen's got to step it up because that's only going to expand, you know, the void between you two. I also think, you know, not to toot my horn or our horn, I still think Brad was fired. Like it, it, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, they kept him because they owe him so much money. So they'd rather pay him because he has a smart basketball mind. And, you know, I think that this hire is a really good hire. So that, that it kind Let of me ask you that. If, the, if, you, if you really do think that, I want to ask you that question then. Who hired Ime? Is it Brad or was it Wick? Brad? Brad. Yeah, because I don't think Brad wants – it's not built in him to fail. Also, politically, looking forward, Jalen Brown on Twitter basically asked for this, for this hire, right, for this exact kind of candidate. Apparently, they all told Brad, this is the guy we want. You know, that's no – well, that's not a very well-kept secret. You know, we played with him at USA Basketball, and we want this guy. If you're yeah, Brad Stevens, yeah. you go, okay, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. Now what's your fucking excuse going to be? Sure. Now who are you going to fucking blame for, you know, crashing out in earlier, even earlier than the Eastern Conference Finals when you were doing it my way? Because your way hasn't gotten you past where I've gone. 
So there is, there might be a little bit of that there. Like that's Brad kind of covering his ass too. Cause it's like, well, you know, and great. If you win, I look great. It's a win-win for him because if they win, he's like, I'm oh, look, I'm good of a G I'm a winning GM now. Great. You know, like I can do that job. I think it's also a pretty incredible feat to have a guy that could bring a, a, a crop of talent like he did to, you know, three Eastern Conference Finals, and then in his first, let's say, in his first few years as the GM, win, win, win an NBA Finals. I think that on a resume makes him almost untouchable in the NBA, right? He can really ask for whatever he wants, but I think, yeah, I, I don't think Brad has an end to sabotage anything. I, I don't think he has an end to fail. I don't think I, I don't think he quit. I do think he was fired, but I do think he will make the best out of the situation that he's given. Cool. I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. I can't <laughs> go through another season like that. Okay, let's switch gears for a second. Can I just add one more thing? It's a yeah, question please. to you, the host, DK sure. Sizzle. Yeah. So let's say that things don't go the way that we want them to this year. Is this not the year that we find out if we can win a championship with both Jalen and Jason, or if one of them is holding the other back? Because I think now with Brad gone as the coach, Now's the time, right? We need to figure out if this is the, if this duo can be the reason that we win, or if one of them is better without the other. What do you think? I mean, I have been on record saying that I don't think they're going to play all their basketball together, and I think that at some point, at this point, more likely Jalen Brown is going to want his own team because he's yes. definitely Jason Tatum's team. I think that's been established. I think Ray made. A, a fierce and eloquent point to me last season and he banged this drum a lot where he said like you don't have to pick they're both on the team it's fine they can both be good but the idea of one holding another back scares me because i think if Jalen brown did go somewhere i could really see him just going insane and like being the best player on a different team they do a lot of the same stuff not all the same stuff but they do a lot of the same stuff and yeah we have great wings it's very well concentrated in that area and we're really hard to beat in that position but we've had a tough time like everywhere yeah, else yeah. So you could be forgiven if you say, well, if we wanted to spread the talent out, if we got a really good trade, could we trade Jalen Brown for X, Y, or Z? What do we value him at? If after this year, we see another kind of, it's not working. I don't think their draft stock would, or, or their trade stock would get that messed up if that happened, because I think that everyone still thinks they're really talented. And I think that if that opinion did start to form, whether it were true or not, you would have to make a move because yep. if people start to say it, it kind of becomes true in a weird way. And how long do you hold on? You know, I know they're still very young. I know it's only been a few years, but they have played together for a long time. So do you start to ask the question? I think so. Yeah. I think you kind of have to start to, to ask it, especially now where there's no one left. Like I said earlier, there's no one left to blame. Like only there's no excuses now. left. It's they have the coach they want. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope, you know, hopefully we still make a couple more moves to put the right people around them. I've been reconsidering my thoughts on the Marcus Smart at the point guard role, but like it also gives me like fucking like absolute <laughs> the heebie jeebies at the same time. But I, Ray made some good statistical points in the last show about, you know, what he's like when he's playing the point. So we'll see, I guess. But I hope that's not the case because I really like both of them. You know, as, as much as I've been, I was down on Jason Tanner before this season, he absolutely shut me up. Like he's obviously phenomenal. He's going to win a championship. He's, at some point, I really hope he doesn't in Boston. He's unbelievable. I'll never say a bad word about him ever again. And he's so hard to guard. You know, you need a guy like that in the NBA nowadays. Like, and I, if I love Kevin Durant as much as I always say I do as a neutral, I, sh- I gotta love Jason Tatum because he's like very similar. Yep. Um, as similar as you can be to Kevin Durant, who's very singular. But all right, let's switch gears because we did say in, in, anticipation, in anticipation of not being snuck up on, like we were coming into these seasons, we we're going to try to hit chat about upcoming sports seasons, big sports seasons in our show early. So 
let's talk about football other than, uh, you know, other than this, some of the the stellar offseason news that players are coming out of the closet and like nobody's committed suicide that used to play and asked to keep donate their brain to science so far this year. There is that Cole Beasley thing though. Yeah, I guess it's there's some decent PR though for the NFL. There's always like yeah, there's always some pickup truck Bud Light shit going on with them. But like you know, here we are. What are you? What are the Patriots looking like? Like, how are we feeling? Have you given them much bandwidth? Have you? Are you thinking about the quarterback position still? Like, where are you at with your team? Yeah, listen. In the in in this order, it's Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, and Red Sox. And given that the Red Sox really they're doing really well, but it's still pretty early. I think I have to get a lot of my focus to the Patriots. I, I think that there's a real I think that there's a strong chance that the Patriots finish eleven and six or ten and seven. But here's my sneaky take. I think that both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots are three and going into their week four matchup. If you look at the schedule, the Patriots played the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and the New Orleans Saints, who I don't know is going to be their quarterback. And if it's Jameis Winston, I love that you could just you just smash this off off the top of your head, though. I cannot do that I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Fucking psychotic. <laughs> Not scared of him. I think Bucks will be uh, the Bucks will be three zero because they're actually a great team. The Patriots just have a very easy schedule. And for all those people that say that Cam Newton's not going to be the starter, again, just remember, I said it on the show. Check the show notes. I don't remember the episode. If you remove Julian Edelman from the 2019 season, only 900 passing yards separate Cam Newton and Tom Brady. Cam wasn't that bad last year. In context, there was no offseason, there was no preseason, and his number one receiver was Jacoby fucking Myers. So just remember that. Now you have Hunter Henry, John New Smith, Nelson Aguilar. You have Kendrick Bourne from San Francisco. John New Smith being a little bit injured and dropping passes in OTs is a little bit disconcerting to me. But I think with that crop of talent, it fits the mold for Cam to do his best to recreate his success from Carolina in 2015. Now I'm not telling you it's going to be 15 and one or 16 and one because it's 17 game season, but I am telling you that their schedule is Pittsburgh Steelers enough of last year that they can win 11 games and make the playoff run. Interesting. So just straight to it, you're going, it's Cam Newton's season. It's Cam Newton's job to lose. It's yes. Cam Newton's the quarterback for the for the New England Patriots, and you're saying that he's going to have what sounds like on paper the most miraculous turnaround. No, 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 no. What I'm telling you is, is that if you look at statistically, if you just again, for all those out there that are listening to this, I think that I'm, that I'm absolutely batshit crazy. One, you're right, <laughs> but two, go back and go back and watch. If you remove Julian Edelman's production from 2019. Tom Brady only passed for 900 more yards than than Cam Newton and accounted for. But you t- you're taking away his biggest receiver plus 900 yards. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but if you remember, Julian Edelman was on the team in 2020, but Cam couldn't throw to him. So they they had the exact same receiving core minus their number one receiver. Only Tom had him. Cam didn't. And so when you look at in that focused area. Cam wasn't that bad. Now, his fumbles, sure. His passing touchdowns, they weren't great. But he made up for those on the ground. But what I'm telling you is the offense that they put on the field this year, and if Gilmore comes back, and all signs point to the fact that he is going to come back, there's no reason for me to believe that the New England Patriots cannot win 11 games. Now, again, it's a 17-game season, so 11-6. and Let's see how that fleshes out. But I think you could really see a world where Cam throws for – 3,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 picks, but runs for 10 touchdowns. 
And that is a remarkable improvement upon what he did last year. Do you think that there's anything that could happen in training camp or in the preseason? Minus injuries, obviously. Anything that could happen performance-wise for Mac Jones over the course of that, that time that sees him starting game one? Honestly, this could be a take that some of you have heard before or that I, I've written it on our in our group chat, but I don't think Bill puts Mac Jones out there against Tom. I just can't see that happening. I can't see him letting the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, led by the guy that they let go, come in and steamroll the next guy. So I, I think it makes the I think it makes the most sense for this to be Cam's job to lose. How many games does Cam Newton need to lose the start of the season for you to be calling for Mac Jones to start? I think if they start something like two and five, you got to go. But I, I just like if you look at last year, they beat most of the teams that they should have beaten the regular season. They, they just couldn't beat teams that they weren't expected to. And their season was one of the tough. Their schedule is one of the toughest in comparison to the rest of the league this year. It's one of the it's one of the easiest. So. If everything is the same, I think that you just get 11 wins just based on who you're playing. So yeah. I don't know that I don't know if that does happen, but if you see if we're in a situation in week 7 and and we're, you know, 2 and 5 or 3 and 4 and Cam has three touchdowns and 12 interceptions and can't hit anything, then yeah, you, you bring in Mac Jones. But it, he's not coming in before week 4. It's not happening unless he can bring in Mac Jones because they're down 30 to nothing. And Mac Jones can score a couple touchdowns on Tampa Bay. That's about it. That's an ideal situation. I would say. Yeah. It's like the Jimmy G uh, Kansas city game. Yeah. I wonder though. I, it reminds me of something though, because I have a, a question to ask you if you really do believe in Cam Newton this much and think he can lead your offense. Another soccer reference, Stuart Downing, terrible player played for Liverpool. First game takes a crazy shot from outside the box and hits the underside of the bar. And it's like an inch from going away, going in. And I maintain for the rest of his career, as he just continued to be a piddly little shit bag, that if that goal went in, he would have been a completely different player for Liverpool. If the Patriots edge it out against the Seahawks and they don't make that really dumb uh, second, those really dumb second and third down calls against the Seahawks last season, do you think their entire season looks different? Because you're kind of saying it can hang on a knife's edge here, and it seems like that knife knife's edge might be the, the Tampa Bay game. Well, I think that there were – yeah, so I think that there were three games last year that, that had they gone a different way would have changed the entire conversation, right? I, I think Seattle, if you don't run the play on the goal line that everyone knew that you were going to run, that changes things. I think if Cam plays against Kansas City, that game's different because if you remember, we were only down by six points in the fourth quarter of that game with with Jared Sidham and fucking Brian Hoyer, who never mind. And and then there's the Buffalo game where you fumble in the last possession. So those three, if you just flip those, now you're ten and six instead of seven and nine. But by the way, like you still don't make the playoffs. Because every team in, in, in the AFC was 11 and 5. But it's different, though. Like, at least you right. can go, fuck it, we're 10 and 6. Like, all right, we didn't make the playoffs, but we were 10 and 6 with, like, a new quarterback and, like, this. You know, I no, I agree. I mean, and those are big wins, too, because, like, look how on everybody, on the Buffalo Bills tip everybody was after that. Yep. And like, myself included, and like, oh, the Bills are so good. And it's like, well, you know, that would have been a big scalp, you know? So, like, the, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of that was, it was inches. Like, I think you could have been in a, in a winning side. Craig, do you have something? Since we're talking about the the how many games does Cam Newton need, need to lose to uh, lose a starter job to Mac Jones, let's just play the game that we're supposed to play in this time. So week one against the Dolphins. Win. That's a win. So week two against the Jets. Win. 
Week three against the Saints. Win. Week four. Uh, week four. The Bucks. The Bucks. That's going to be an absolute blowout. But you, but you could you could start three and zero. Oh. You could yeah, start. I, I think both oh. teams are going to be three and zero oh going into week four. And that's that would be put such a different shine on the Patriots season. Even if you Shouldn't get blown out by the Bucks, it won't even matter. Shouldn't because you, you played two really crappy teams and one team that may not have a quarterback. No one knows that the Saints are bad yet. I mean, we do. But no one else knows that the Saints are bad. Winston, so. I, I just think like if you we've seen Jameis Winston, ha- he was able to throw to Mike Evans yeah, for, no, for four he's not years. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not good. He's not good. And like we know that, like you know, you and I, hip happening and Craig, hip happening, yep. smart people that like watch and talk about football all the time know that. But everyone is going to be kind of going like, I know that Saints are good though. Like so, it's yeah, they have, they have, they have name until, Yeah, exactly. They have name recognition. Like Drew Brees is, you know, I mean, whatever. He's not there anymore, but. People forget, you know. So, so I think we're four games in, and we're three and one. The Patriots. Go ahead. So we're doing week four. Yep. Week five, Houston Texans win. Uh, week six, Dallas Cowboys loss. Uh, that's at that's yeah, that's at home. So week seven, Jets again. We're done with the Jets at week seven. Win. So you're five and two. All right. Week eight, Chargers win. So that's a tough Lock. one. You're at the Chargers. That's a pick 'em. We'll just call it a loss for con- for content purposes. <laughs> week nine, Panthers win. Week ten, Browns loss. loss. So you're loss. six and four now. Week eleven, you're out. You're at Atlanta. Win. Thousand percent. Yeah. 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 Seven and four. We uh, week twelve, Tennessee Titans at home loss. Seven and five. Yeah. No, I think you beat them. I think they're overrated. Yeah. That's gonna be my thing. Derrick Henry and Julio Jones. You think we? You think Pages can stop them? I don't. And AJ Brown. Not for nothing. Not for nothing. But like, I know we were all yelling at each other aggressively by the end of fo- football season. But like, so I couldn't rub it in too hard. But I was like, Derrick Henry's not gonna win you any playoff games. And I was banging that fucking drum. And you and Bob were like, Derrick Henry's a beast. And he didn't. And I was like, in your face. So if you remember, I said that your best player can ever be a running back if you want to win a Super Bowl. I I agree with you, and I said that first. But like, <laughs> but I did. We're seven and five right now, Craig. Seven and five. Week thirteen at Buffalo, loss. Seven and six. Yeah. Week fourteen, that weird, weird late buy. Uh, week fifteen, Colts win. Uh, week sixteen, call uh, Bills win. Week seventeen, uh, Jaguars. Oh. You got the Bills winning the week sixteen home game. I have, I have, I have a splitting against the Bills. Then okay. they win the first one. We win the second one. Okay, that's fair. Eighteen. So yeah, Jaguars winning. Yeah, we have us yeah, us beating the Jaguars. Yep. And by us, I mean the Patriots. I'm not playing, yeah, unfortunately. And then week 18. Dolphins. Uh, at Dolphins. Yep, win. So what's that? 11 and 6. And you still don't make the playoffs. <laughs> right, you, might, you might not make the playoffs. <laughs> That's a good call. I like it. I liked it. And I thought that game was fun. All right, cool. I mean, fun. you're optimistic. You're optimistic about the Patriots season. Let me flip this around on you, uh, DK. Sure. <laughs> Justin Fields coming in for the Chicago Bears. What is how does this compare to to previous seasons in terms of your anticipation for the game of football? Because now you actually have the guy, the guy you should have drafted. Then not Mitch Trubisky, not the one that you took in front of Patrick Mahomes, but the one that your GM went and moved up ahead of other teams, the Patriots, that <laughs> should have drafted Justin Fields and they got him. So like what is it like now knowing that? You know, Nick Foles might start, but this is really Fields' team. 
there are, there's also a little nugget in there too because Tom Brady was on LeBron James show the other day and he was being like, "You're gonna start this motherfucker before he was, me. Talk, he was talking about the Raiders." I think he was talking about the Bears. He wasn't. He was talking about the Raiders. They they, they confirmed it today. Oh, they did. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. I didn't even hear about this, so I guess glad I missed it. But so here's been my like roller coaster of emotions since draft day: thrilled, like exalted, excited, freaking out, so happy we got Justin Fields. Justin Fields has been the avatar in our Discord chat in my on my thing <laughs> since then because I just think he's like an absolute Adonis and he's going to just do so good. And, and now, yeah, and now, and also, yes, the best, like by, by far the best prospect the Bears have ever had. And they did the same thing they did with Trubisky, but it was like smart this time and dumb last time. And it's like, fine, <laughs> we moved on from Mitch. Like, okay. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I can't fucking believe that we're gonna just drop two games on purpose just because we said we sandy dalton that he would be the starter it doesn't justin fields is the kind of quarterback like when you say mac jones you can't get let him get steamrolled by like whatever justin fields is the kind of draft pick where it's like you're getting fed the lines right away my man you're getting fed the lines right away and you need to go out there and start to win and you and we'll be forgiving for a whole season you get to make mistakes for a whole season, maybe even two in Chicago because of the kind of quarterbacks we've seen. Do you have any idea the the level of just thankfulness the, the Bears fans are going to have for Justin Fields just by showing up? Like, they watched Rex Grossman and Jim Miller and fucking, and fucking Jay Cutler. And <laughs> it's just Kyle like, Orton. Kyle Orton and Brian Hoyer and all these different absolute bags of shit that have played quarterback for the fucking Chicago Bears. Justin Fields just has to tie his shoes and they will be kissing the ground that he walks on. So you throw him in there. Why is, am I hearing all this shit about Andy Dalton starting week one? Get out of here. Andy Dalton should be getting Justin Fields' breakfast for him in the morning. This is crazy. You can't have, Andy Dalton is a proven loser. Nick Foles is a proven winner, but it didn't work. Why is he still, I don't understand. So it's, and we gave him a weird contract too, but just start Justin Fields. You know he's starting by week three. You know he is, dude. Andy Dalton's going to go like two, one touchdown, three interceptions for like 98 yards every game for like a, for three games in a row. We're going to have to fucking bench you and put Justin Fields in. Justin Fields is so exciting. Like what Matt Nagy's trying to be pragmatic. Sometimes he does this. He like tries to be pragmatic for pragmatism's sake. And he can get himself into like a loop. And that's why he like had to give up play calling last year. He's like a really good play caller. Like he was a, like he was a play caller for Andy Reid. He's really good, yep. but he's just like, he tricks himself. Like he just goes like into like, you know, it's like seen the princess bride when Bassini and the, and the man in black are like, I, which one is the Iocane powder? And he's like, I clearly can't trust the wine in front of you. I like watch Matt Nagy do that in his head with his little visor on. He's like, but I clearly can't trust the wine in front of me. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, Matt, just fucking make a choice. And that's what he's doing. The Sandy Dawn thing. Just do, do the simplest thing. Give the people what they want. Start the right Justin thing. Fields. Do the right thing. Start Justin Fields. Start him. If he knows the playbook, unless something terrible has happened and he, he's turned out to just be like an insane person or like not what he was like advertised in, in, in camp. If he knows the playbook and he didn't put the his right shoe on his left foot and his left shoe on his right foot that morning, he needs to start. He needs to start. Justin Fields, Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham. Not even like a great Jimmy Graham, but whatever he is right now. Yeah, but you know what was proven last season? You can literally just, when you're in the red zone, he can just still just go standing. Yep. 
That's right. You can still just go stand there and you can just throw it up a little higher than everybody else and he'll go get it. And that's just like a weapon, you know, that's just like a proven weapon. I think, I think we've locked down our running back at this point. You know, I think it's a good offense. Like just start Justin Fields, let him learn it, let him get those mistakes out of the way. And the problem is I think we would do, you know, you talk about your strength of schedule being favorable. Ours sucks, man. I think (laughs) we would do so much more damage if we didn't have to play the fucking Buccaneers. We have to play the Steelers who I still think are good. We have to play the Ravens. We have to play, obviously, the Packers twice. I know there's a bunch of drama going on over there, but I don't concern myself with it. Uh, we have to play the Titans. I'm hoping they're overrated. We have to play the Bills. Oh, do we play the Bills or is that preseason? Yeah, it might be preseason. I would they're, just say, like – They're like, still good. 49ers are good. It's it's going to be tough. Well, well, is that the Trey Lance 49ers or is it the or is it the Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, that could be interesting. Jimmy right? Garoppolo is a really good quarterback, I think. I mean, I, I – No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think Trey Lance is really good, too. I, I think that that team is – I don't think there's going to be much, much of a fall-off between the two. But I will say, like, my apologies to your fiance Leah. The Steelers are not. Dude, they're still so good on paper. They don't have one returning offensive lineman for last year. Oh, not bad. one. That's bad. They drafted well, though, didn't they? I thought they drafted They drafted well. a running back. Isn't he good, though? Isn't he, wasn't he, like, the best running back in the draft? Yeah. And, like, the Steelers get guys like that where it's like, ah, oh, shit, this guy's going to run for 1,000 yards. They get really good skill players. But, yeah. like, now you're relying on a 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger sucks like it sucks because he just he keeps limping back onto the field like a big frankenstein and he just can't right. get away from him. and they have he's like also the kind of guy that won't let them plan for the future he's like nobody better be like here yeah like he, he's pretty much known for not giving the uh whoever's uh, on the other side of him much choice in the matter so i would say that yeah you know what i mean you're talking about okay his rape yeah. allegations <laughs> it's not funny but that was a little funny okay Thank do you. the game with me dude give me the craig read me all the things and i'll give you L's or W's. All right. Do you want the preseason tour or do you just care about the regular no. season? No, just the regular season. All right. Fine. Week one, you got the Rams. Lost because Andy Dog is going to start. Well, then this one should be funny too. Week two against the Bengals. Lost because Andy Dog is going to start. And that's when I go, that's when I pop one of my eyes out from Rage on the show live <laughs> and it's just furious that Justin Fields hasn't started yet. Go. Week, week three, Cleveland. Lost, but Justin Fields comes in in the fourth quarter and we're down 21 to three. Well, week four against the Lions. Win. Justin Fields beats the Lions for his first divisional win and first win as a Bears quarterback. They are one and three. Week five against the Raiders. John Gruden coaches the Raiders. We win that game. Justin Fields. Two and three. Week six, Packers. The drama has overspilled in the Packers front office and locker room. Aaron Rodgers is still holding out and so are they. It's absolutely sixes and sevens over there. And the Bears squeak out a win, 24-21. Justin Fields, man of the match, MVP. 500, three and three. Week seven, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady and the Bucks punish the Chicago Bears. And, uh, <laughs> and Justin Fields gets his first taste of like real hardcore defeat and adversity. But he does some cool shit when he loses. He like stares out at the field or something like where he's you know, ready to go. Week seven, Halloween, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I think we beat them because I think they're they're having quarterback issues more than we are by that point. No one's even talking about Andy Dalton on our team anymore. Four and four. Week nine, tough night in the Sizzle household at the Steelers. Oh, we're going to smash the Steelers, dude. They didn't have one offensive lineman come back last year. I learned <laughs> recently. <laughs> dude, our fucking front seven, our linebacking core is still sick. Our defensive ends are still sick. Yeah, Our defensive tackles are still sick. We downgraded a little bit the safety position, but like, are we really worried about getting thrown over our heads against like by Ben Roethlisberger at this point? No. Does my marriage 
go through <laughs> on the 19th of February <laughs> after the 8th of November. I don't know. I don't know. Leah can get real into this. And so can I. And it's a night game. So I may have had a couple of drinks already at this point. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I might have five to sign, like, get a contract uh, drawn up. But yeah, the Bears win. Where, where are they at, Mike? Five and four. Five and four. So week 10 against the Ravens. We beat the Ravens. Week 10 against the Lions again. We beat the Lions again. Seven and four. Uh, seven and four. So week 12 against the Cardinals. We beat them. They suck. Packers again. Kyler Murray just gets devoured by our, by our Eight and four. Uh, pass rush. We beat the Packers. We like beating the Packers at night historically, even when they're better than us. Vikings. Keep the streak alive. Beat the Vikings. We're 10 and four now. Seahawks. We're going to lose to the Seahawks. Probably. Yeah. They're, yeah. It's a, that's a home game against the 12. So uh, next is uh, week 16 or 17. It'll be as of the bye week. I guess we're 18 weeks now. We beat the Giants. Yeah. Then wrapping it all up on the road against the Vikings. We beat the Vikings. 11 and 5. You have 11 and 5. Yep. I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, 17 games. But two of those losses are because they started Andy Dalton. Three of them are. Yes. How frustrating is that? (laughs) How frustrating is that? That's why I want, you know, I could see him going. For those of you at home, DK Sizzle has the Bears going 12 and 2 under the tutelage of Justin Fields. <laughs> the leadership qualities that the young man possesses. I'm with you, dude. I'm with I want him. Trust me. I, you you love him. Yeah. And I think he's going to be really talented. I think he's going to throw some picks and stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going to, we're going to ride with him again because we've seen so many shitty fucking quarterbacks play for this team. All right. Well, you know what? I think we were going to talk a little bit about McGregor and Poirier, but I don't think we really have time. And honestly, after just thinking about the stress of the Chicago Bears season, I can't even begin to think about what it's going to be like for Conor McGregor on uh, the 10th of July. So we'll save that for next time. Thank you, everyone, for coming out and listening. Thanks, Craig, for producing. Thank you to Mike Marcangelo for doing this. Two, two, sometimes three, when Craig wanted to yell at us about schedules. Man, pod. Thanks for listening to Missing the Point, and we'll catch you next time. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid.